I'm going to drain the swamp. I'm going to drain the swamp. All right. We're rolling. What? Counting us down. Oh. Three. Look at that bird. True. Smell those Douglas furs. You're listening to Missing Out with Lex Michael and Tari J. Let's start the show. Hey, guys. Welcome back to Missing Out. I'm Tari J. I'm Lex Michael. If this is your first time listening, what we do here is we introduce each other to different media, whether it be television, movies, music, spoken word, uh, experiences. We talk about the things that have built us as people. We share them with you, the audience, and hope that it builds you. We are the retrospective that is introspective. Cute. Yeah. Today, uh, Lex Michael has brought in the 1990 series uh, Twin Peaks, directed and written by David Lynch um, and his partner. So uh, David Lynch and Mark Frost were the showrunners, and they were primarily responsible for, for overseeing uh, everything in the first season. David Lynch directed the pilot. Uh, he directed uh, episode two. Uh, clarification, there's the pilot, and then there's uh, the first season is one through seven following the pilot. So episode one is the first episode after the pilot. Episode two, the episode that ends with the uh, Red Room is uh, also directed by David Lynch, but the uh, host of writers worked on it, host of other uh, directors. But yes, primarily shepherded, of course, by David Lynch and Mark Frost. Got it. Okay. And so today we are going to be talking... Like, well, today I watched the pilot and I watched, I guess, what you would qualify as episode one then? Yeah. Um, so I watched those two pieces. Okay. Um, the pilot being a hour and a half uh, special and then the regular show being hour long episodes. Okay. Um, so you haven't even seen the show start to get weird yet. Um, not yet. I mean, there are like little things. Um, but for the most part, from what I've seen, it's a... Uh, it's a mystery show with whimsical characters. Uh, that is accurate. Yeah. Um, and so, like, yeah, I've, I've, I came in knowing that it gets weird. And so I was just kind of like mostly diving in to see if I could figure out the mystery in only the couple episodes that I've seen. Um, which be, I, don't I would think be, so. I, but I'd be very curious to hear your theories. I'm actually right now, so I guess uh, some context. Uh, Twin Peaks is one of my favorite things that human beings have made. Oh, really? You've never mentioned that you like it. I I know. I I never bring this up. Oh, I, yeah. I play this. I play this very very close to the chest. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite things that has ever been made. I have been a huge fan of this show for at this point over a decade. Okay. Um, and I came to it like like a lot of people like through through some of the DVD releases. Um, and like immediately just completely fell in love with it. And that was my way into the rest of David Lynch's work. Um, but something about this show, and it, it, I will say it's one of my favorite things, but it is also one of the most your mileage may vary shows yeah. of all time. I think like it's either going to like, you're either going to get it or you're not. And not in the pre- super pretentious snobby, like, Oh, you just don't get it way. Yeah. What I mean is you're either going to get something from it. Like you're going to get, what it is on an intrinsic sort of emotional gut level yeah or it or you won't because it's just not quite your your jam um because it is so unlike anything else and it is so uniquely itself now i say unlike anything else uh knowing full well that a number of shows in the intervening almost three decades now have have used it as a source of inspiration right um I mean, like the first season of Riverdale is basically it's Twin Peaks with Archie characters, hmm. little little bit less uh, uh, surrealism and supernatural element, but um, very much. And they were pretty open about it. It's like we kind of right. wanted to do that. Uh, even Donald Glover was talking about when he was pr- promoting the first season of Atlanta. He's talking about like I, I really wanted to do Twin Peaks with rappers, mm-hmm. um, and you can see that similar the similar tone, like that low key just creeping feeling of dread and and. Uh, uh, unsettling sensations that I guess yeah. he wanted to instill in the audience as well. Um, I just went for a second. Anyway, this is one of my yeah. This is one of my favorite uh, favorite shows. Every element of it, I'm 
I'm pretty much in love with from uh, obviously the the writing, the direction, the cast, the individual characterizations, uh, the 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 atmosphere and the music. Like Angelo Badalamenti's score, I think is incredible. Yeah. The the set and the production design, I'm in love with, and the way you can feel, uh, especially even in the pilot, uh, you can feel moments where sort of true to his style, David Lynch would just allow uh, accidents to spark like cool improvisational moments that would make the final cut. Um, and that's part of his whole his whole thing is like you constantly remain open to every idea you can. He has that book he put out called Catching the Big Fish. And it's, mm-hmm. I guess, the philosophy of you have to be as open as possible to allow all of the ideas to come in. And that is how you are open to catching that big idea that you can actually do something with. Yeah. Um, paraphrased heavily obviously right um but all of it like all of it just just does it for me in a way that i have a hard time articulating in a way that feels totally satisfying like i feel like i still have yet to find a way to articulate it in a way that feels like it does justice to this weird i don't know this weird like thing that i get from it yeah and no not the entirety of the show is is uh excellent the I would say the whole first half of the show is pretty dang great. Midway through season two, uh, ABC forced David Lynch and Mark Frost to resolve the Laura Palmer mystery, which was never their intention. Okay. Um, and once that happened, and then David Lynch and Mark Frost were not anywhere near as involved with the show anymore, mm-hmm. thing went off the rails pretty hard for a little while, and it lost most of its audience. Then towards the end of season two, begins to return to form and David Lynch came back to do the finale and that finale is one of the best things that came out of the entirety of that that world it's an excellent piece of television at that point they're canceled right um then of course they did the theatrical feature in 92 Twin Peaks Firewalk with me and then of course the it came back for uh, 18 hours last year yeah all right so, so a lot of a lot of stuff <laughs> that I just threw at you hopefully some of that was coherent and there was some sort of through line there. I said a lot. Um, but what it, you hadn't seen any of this. Yeah. Um, so coming to it fresh, hearing only what you've heard from me and, and hearing sort of my enthusiasm about it, I guess first, like broadly speaking, what, like, what did this, what did this do for you? <laughs> um, it's so it's, it's hard to come into something that has been such a, a cult classic for so long um i guess with fresh eyes like especially knowing where like the actors and actresses end up and 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 having so many recognizable faces and things of that sort um also coming into it with knowing that like so many things reference it later on and other things are different so like i feel like i can't come in with come in it with a super fresh eye um but i really i really dug the the character work that they did like like a lot of the actors are are character actors um i super dug a lot of the um the the way it's shot um the storyline i it it's intriguing enough to like get you engaged in terms of this murder mystery but then at a certain point you kind of feel like agent cooper where you're just like look how quaint all this is isn't this really interesting um and something i really found just kind of captivating is it's it's the first portion of the pilot how they show how much the death of this one person affects this whole town. Um, like, I guess I'm, I've grown up with a lot of, um, I guess, blockbuster content where people die and it's just like a thing that happens all the time. You remember um, that one movie where Superman was uh, almost directly responsible for the deaths of hundreds of Metropolis citizens. I do I remember that picture. Batman was so mad. He was, he, he, he took a swore an oath of revenge and it became a bad, well, an okay movie. Um, a debatable movie. A fascinating movie. <laughs> I, wow. I'm actually surprised. I'm, this I'm intrigued by this. Now I want to discuss this picture with you at length at some point <laughs> anyway um, but yeah so um i i really dug how uh and i feel like it is it was a combination of the way it was shot and the way that it was written in that like a lot of people started figuring out that laura was dead 
based on context clues and not necessarily people being like, this person is dead. It's like, like for example, when you are with the mother and she is calling for Laura and she's realizing that like she's not in the house and then she calls up Bobby's family and and Bobby's like she's not with Bobby and then you you see her calling up her husband and realizing she's not there and then you get the husband finding out and you you essentially live through her reaction on the phone and also too how they both feel it uh, almost instinctually before Sheriff Truman says anything yeah um i thought that was really fascinating like and i think that it's something you can only do with a more like toned down quiet like like i almost want to say like foot on the ground um way of doing your storytelling boots on the ground yes i believe that's the boots on the ground storytelling sure um, so I thought that was really interesting. Um, I'm actually surprised when you, that you mentioned that they never intended on resolving the, uh, the murder. The idea was that the Laura Palmer murder would sort of be the inciting incident, but that it would gradually fade into the background in favor of sort of exploring the rest of the town and the citizenry and sort of the dark secrets. Like one of David Lynch's big recurring motifs is this sort of idyllic, um, sometimes suburban and sometimes, you know, very quaint, small town, uh, simple. Uh, but underneath the surface, there's this darkness and the seediness and, and maybe not necessarily evil, but also maybe evil. Yeah. Um, so the idea was that eventually that would become less and less and less the focus and everybody else's stories would become more and more and more the focus. Interesting. I know that like when I was reading, I, I will say that like, um, it's I'm <laughs> um, I will say that like I try to limit my my research to like mostly production stuff because I didn't want to I spoil would, the uh, mystery. If you have any intention of continuing with this show, and I I hope you do, uh, I would do my best to make sure make sure you watch everything obviously in in release order the first time through, and also. Yeah, don't 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 let it be spoiled, man. Well, that's what I, that was my intention. Is yeah. I was like, I'll I'll look into like the the like production, like what how it was developed, and then I will look. I, I'll try not to look up anything in terms of story or character, because uh, like people will, as especially for a show that is older, will offhandedly be like, and you know that like this person did this thing, right? And, um, it's like if you could, but if you can, if you can dodge all of that, it's just, yeah, just try. Like you run through, shut your eyes, keep your hands over your ears and whatnot, you know, because like you can only see it unspoiled once yeah you know potentially and a lot of people get shit spoiled for them and they don't get to see it even the one time right you only get to see it unspoiled once and it's 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 a bummer that they didn't get to do exactly what they wanted but in a world where they don't get to do exactly what they want i think what they do is real excellent yeah um but that's that's later we're talking about we're talking so, about pilot and, well, and yeah um so that was context to say that like um I, I, I tried to go in as, as fresh as possible without knowing anything, but like in the research that I did do, I did read that they essentially wanted it to feel like, like they wanted it to start as like a procedural detective story and not, not even procedural, but just like as a, a detective story and then move into more of a soap opera feel. And so like, like the kind way- of a, almost like a takeoff on Peyton place, like a kind of winky takeoff at uh, uh Peyton place type shows. Right. Um, and you can feel it in some in the way that some of the scenes are shot and it's the way that some of the like interactions happen, like some of the characters, you can feel them being directed to be to like heighten up the, their reactions and like really try to like emote as much as possible for the people in the back. You and know? it's and it's uncomfortable, right? Like and it, that's by design. Like yeah. think about you. You were talking about um Laura Palmer's parents uh, a few minutes ago, uh, Leland and Sarah portrayed by Ray Wise, who's one of my favorite actors, I think in general, um, and Grace Zabriskie. Um, and the two of them in, even in the pilot, you spend longer than we're used to just on their pure expressions of anguished grief. Yeah. And we don't really sit with grief in our entertainment too much like people will be devastated by something 
and then it'll either motivate them or they'll kind of go off in a different direction. But we don't frequently just sit in that moment of pure grief. It's not sexy. It's not glamorous. It's yeah. it's harrowing. And it's uncomfortable because we're so not used to it. Um, but that, that sort of speaks to what you're saying about how everything is sort of like ratcheted way, way, way up. Like every element of it is heightened. Yeah. And like I, I really liked how some of the scenes were just like very simple, very intimate. So there's a scene with, and I'm very bad with names. Uh, I can um, help you. So uh, older redheaded lady. That and, uh, older redheaded lady, I believe uh, Catherine Martell uh, played by Piper Laurie. Okay, yes. And um, the real estate salesman, um, they're real sleeping estates. together. Oh, uh, Ben Horn. Yes. Who's, yes, he's uh, he's doing that real estate, trying to do that Ghostwood deal with the Norwegians. But he's a lot of things. Like, he owns the local department store. He's He owns the hotel. Yeah. He's basically the local... He's Mr. Business, Mr. Mister Getting Business Done and Running mm. Businesses and doing business stuff. Ooh. And glad-handing. Just glad-handing with everybody. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that phrase means. Glad-handing but... is sort of like, and in the in the town hall meeting, Cooper like refers to, he's like, who's the glad-handing dandy? Uh, uh, glad-handing is basically, it's like what politicians do, where it's just like, ah, nice to meet you. He's like shaking everybody's hand and smiling and like, you know, just trying. The, the foe being everybody's buddy thing to yeah. support their favor for your... Usually for your own ends, whether it's, you know, to try and get their vote or their business or whatever. You're basically being like your own sort of ambassador. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. I get it. Um, it's like what Burr was doing in the song Election of 1800. You know, he's he's going around and he's like, blah, 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 talk less, smile more, blah, 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 da, blah, da. Yeah. yeah, I get it. Everybody knows um, the B in Aaron Burr stands for Benjamin Horn. Uh-huh. Um, but the scene between uh, those two characters where he's getting ready to leave, it's it's post-coitus, and she's like, you know, um, you never, we used to spend days together. And it's just like a really cute scene between the two of them, um, kind of like almost rekindling a spark. And there's a moment when he literally puts his gross mouth on her gross toes and it's uncomfortable and I hate it. Um, but that's only <laughs> a personal thing. Um but you're not, I, I wait, liked, you're not a you're not a toe guy. Um, I'm not not really. Um, uh, mostly because I don't like germs, and 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 that's where all the germs go. What if they were freshly washed feet? Um, maybe like they're super clean. I mean, not in my mouth. I'll, I'll give you a sweet, sweet foot massage if like we're just out the shower where you had a long day and I'm and we're being real intimate. And by we, I mean not you and I because we're not like that. Like, by that, I mean like we don't have that kind of relationship. We barely hug. Um, so I'm not going to... That hurts. You know what? Live with it. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm not going to I'm not going to touch your feet. But if, what if it was... But what if... Okay. What if the feet were freshly cleaned yeah. so cleaned like like uh they'd been washing their feet for hours just for you and okay. and and if you agree to put the toes in your mouth on national television you will win two million dollars this sounds like an episode of black mirror <laughs> someone is like someone is literally holding me hostage and is like you could i know that you need surgery on your kidneys and i'll give you the exact amount right, all like, you got to do is put these toes in your mouth but like you're at the staples center and it's full of people and they're all like ah, watching this shit happen <laughs> it's on the big like the jumbotron and shit um i mean all right i guess the question is uh, am i sexually attracted to this person and have i put my mouth on them before Answer these questions for me, Lex Michael. Okay, uh, it's it's a surprise. Maybe. <laughs> All right, then I'm gonna have to decline. I can uh, make my own money. Two million dollars, though. The easiest two million. It doesn't even have to be like long. You don't even have to do all of the toes. You could pick which toe, and it can be real brief. It has to be. It has to be at least seven seconds, but it doesn't have to be more than seven seconds. Two million dollars. Seven seconds. Two million dollars of, of like a surprise. What if? What if they're like, all right, we found this uh, this vagabond on a train, <laughs> and uh, we can't tell how long they've been there. 
Uh, but they live their life barefooted, and we can't tell where the dirt ends and their their feet begin. To like, I feel like if it's a surprise, that is what they're gonna make me do for two million dollars. Well, Tari, that sounds pretty classist. Does it? <laughs> Why, if if the feet are freshly bathed, what's the difference? What's the difference if they come from a train? Because <sighs> they're strange toes. There could be like. I don't know, man. Trains have diseases on them. They, they, okay. They need to. They know they need to limit their liability, so they made sure whoever they select, whether whoever it is, yeah, they're free of disease, any kind of disease. Okay, because so, they have to limit their liability. So the 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 rules are like that they we've won't, established. you won't die. Like you know what I mean? Like yeah, you know, because like they don't want to get sued, right? Um. Okay. <laughs> Who so are these people. <laughs> <laughs> so these weird uh, Black Mirror masochist people um, are it's like par- Parliament. Yeah, um, Parliament is doing it to you. They want they they are going to get a random person. They're going to clean their toes, um, and I have to put my mouth on the toes for at least seven seconds, as many toes or as few toes as I choose, and I get two million dollars at the end of it. Yes. On national television. Mm-hmm. So you do have to accept that there's a chance that this will go viral. Okay. Like, people will talk about it, but it could be one of those things that, like, like how everything is now. Everyone talks about it for, like, three days, and then yeah. next week, no one remembers. Yeah. Chance exists that it, like, becomes a meme. You have to accept that there is that chance. But with everything going on in the world right now, like, yeah. you know, good chance it'll just recede from memory real quick. I mean, yes. I think under those conditions, um, I will accept. Uh, I will accept the the terms of the deal, um, and I will state that my method of doing so will be to extend my tongue slightly out of my mouth and place it upon um, one toe. No, it's got to be in. It's got to be I, in the mouth. You are adding to the rules no it's got to be in the mouth that's the whole that's the whole deal that's fine. The, that was our baseline fine. i will accept fine for two million dollars i'll accept the uh the terms of your deal um guys what do you think like what would you do would you accept the terms of these deals would you sell out your principles like tari J for just a little bit of money yeah because i could move to another country <laughs> for two million dollars um and then like invest the other million like i think i'd be sitting pretty well i, I moved to thailand or something yeah yeah you go okay. to thailand yeah uh why yeah. thailand um thailand the bot which is their uh currency is about uh i think it's 33 to the dollar something around there so your money goes pretty far once you're in the country sure um so i and think you that- can out you probably outrun the the toe sucker meme yeah, probably. Probably, because that, that shit's going viral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, but it could also open my world to a whole nother group of people. You know, it could really, like, extend my um, my partners beyond what I already thought they would be. Uh, <laughs> like, the Illuminati invites you to join <laughs> shit. They're like, you performed your last rites. Now you can join us. Like like all of the dark money that's shaping governments and shit. They're just like, you know what? Let's just give it to him. <laughs> <laughs> and you have it all. Yeah. You you now, you are the military industrial complex. <laughs> all because you put a toe in your mouth. And see, yeah. you were having second thoughts. It's true. I should have just gone with my gut. Um, do you think that the person who took and murdered... Uh, Laura uh, would suck toes. Do you think almost that... certainly? Yeah. Um. I mean, the guy Bob, etc. Bob. Bob, etc. The the guy, the handshaker, the handshaky ben. bin. There is a there is a Bob, but he hasn't been named where you are. But you've seen him. Okay. And there's also a Bobby. So yeah. It's a little bit. It's a little. There's a lot of. There's a lot of uh, B names happening. Uh, 
This episode of Missing Out is brought to you by Two Girls, One Mike, the porn cast. Hey, everyone's a critic. You've heard that, right? Well, it's true even with porn. On Two Girls, One Mike, hosts Yvette and Alice discuss the plot holes and the other holes of your favorite pornography. They're joined by comedians, porn stars, scientists, and authors to review films, discuss the industry, and topics that are porn slash sex adjacent. Join them for discussions of classics like Who's Nailing Palin, Full Holes, Clockwork Orgy, Pump Fiction, and Not the Wizard of Oz. They've had guests including porn stars like Nina Hartley, Mercedes Carrera, Sin Sage. They've had Ella Darling, the queen of VR porn, and Mr. Tom Arnold. Who's Tom Arnold? Everyone loves Tom Arnold. This podcast is available wherever you find podcasts. Just make sure you download the one with a microphone and bra in the avatar. Go check it out. Two Girls, One Mic, the Porncast. Can we talk about uh, how in Twin Peaks, there is literally no such thing as um, a monogamous relationship? Everyone. Everyone's cheating. Every, every, you say everybody everybody in, in Twin Peaks seems to be in bed with everybody else, both literally and metaphorically. Yeah. It it boggled my mind because like you you. Here's how it works. You you meet Laura and they're like, is she with her boyfriend, Bobby? And then you find out she's not with Bobby. Then you meet Bobby and Bobby's like, yo, I'm doing sex stuff with Cheryl, who's married Shelly. to crazy. Shelly, who's married, who's to, married who? to crazy guy, Leo. Leo. Yeah. Um, and then later you're like, all right, cool. Um, and, and, and Cheryl works with Norma, who's uh, who's in love with. Uh, Ed, who's married to Eyepatch Lady. Nadine. Um, and Nadine is, she's fine. Um, is she though? I mean, she's weirdly obsessed with, uh, she super with, duper wants to, drapes her, and stuff. Yeah, she wants to make the world's first fully silent drape runner convinced that this patent will make her and Ed wealthy. I mean, maybe. How do you, I mean, it could be the one thing that we've all been missing. Does it happen? You can spoil this for me. Does she make that patent? I can't, man. That could be the biggest spoiler of the series. Oh, uh, no. Know. You don't know. I have to know. No, you don't know. You don't know what's relevant and what's not. Um, who else is getting down with other people? I will say uh, the, the, the Briggses are, uh, uh, I think, seem to have a pretty happy, stable marriage throughout Bobby's parents. Mm. Uh, who who you end up spending a little bit more time with as the series goes on, but uh, Major Garland Briggs and uh, Betty. Who also uh, Bobby's mother Betty is played by Charlotte Stewart, who's been working with David Lynch since like Eraserhead. Oh, really? Yeah. If okay. not, if not earlier, even. But she's in a she's in Eraserhead. Nice. As is Jack Nance, who plays Pete Martell. Ooh. The uh, the one who first discovers Laura's body. Oh yes, wrapped yes. in plastic. Fisherman McGee is Fisherman what I was McGee. Calling. Yeah. Yeah, Pete. Pete, Pete yes. Pete, uh, two by four, four by eights. That's that guy. Um, this I had to remember things that people did. There's a lot of names, and I'm very bad with there, them. It, it, to be fair, right, they, they do, even if you're good with names, they introduce a whole bunch of characters in this pilot. Oh, yeah. Um, and, like, a bunch of subplots and, um, like... And it was it was hard enough keeping track of who's dating who, let alone like everyone's name, who they like. I had to rewind a few times just to be like, who's that person's name? Um, because I'm don't listen. I'm don't listen. That's and my I'm name. I'm Lex Michael. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, and you brought up Bobby. Um, Bobby is like he starts out as this like. Fonzarelli type character who's like, look at me in my jacket, and everyone wants to have sexual yeah, relations. Like captain with me. of the football team guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then he becomes like a psychopath who's like, I'm gonna kill this guy who's who's sleeping with this girl who I'm also cheating on. Right? How uh, dare this other guy, uh, James James Hurley, nephew to Big Ed, who rides around on his motorcycle and pouts a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who was I mean, who was seeing Laura Palmer was very much in love with her before she died. Yeah, which like they're they're definitely. Uh, if I were to try to make sense of this mystery from the few episodes that I've seen, um, it they're definitely trying to red herring him 
and Leo, they're like, oh, these guys' motive, and 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 they're they're like they don't have alibis. Leo's a monster. Ho ho ho! Bloody shirt. Um, but I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I don't think that either of those people did it. Is it because you just think like they're just tipping it way too hard too oh, early yeah. for it to be that? Yeah. If anything, I would think that it is, and you can't tell me. Oh, I'm not, of course, uh, I'm not going to tell you. But the if most anything, ready, ready, no matter who you say, I'm going, I'm going to nod and I'm going to go, huh? Interesting, in this yeah. really exaggerated way. Mm, good, 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 good. Yeah. That's what I want. Yeah. Um, because I, I feel like if it is anybody, it would be um the the doctor character. What is his name? Uh, Lawrence Jacoby, Doctor Jacoby. Huh. Interesting. Um, because he's weird. I like I like Jacoby. Jacoby's I think an interesting kind of fun character. Uh, played by Russ Tamblin. Yeah. Uh, f- dad to Amber Tamblin. Yes. Who is a person that's out there somewhere? Yeah. Amber I mean, Tamblin, if you're listening, hello. Big fan of you and your dad. Hi. Yeah. I loved you in House and that like three second view of your face in Django Unchained. Oh, that's right. And you were on an episode of uh, Buffy, like in season six. Yeah. Good job. I think you were also Joan of Joan of Arc in something or, or Joan of Arcadia. One of those. That was, that was a show. Yeah. Um, So yeah, but also uh, Russ Tamblin and um, Richard Bamer, who plays Ben Horn, were both in West Side Story. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Ah, man, look at all these. These connections, bro. Anyway, yes. So uh, Dr. Jacoby is sort of the weird, kooky psychiatrist who was, uh, Laura was seeing prior to her death. And he hangs out like he wears these very sort of loud suit jackets and yeah. this, like the red and blue lens glasses, like almost like the old school 3D glasses, but like in actual frames. Yeah. Uh, interesting. He's an interesting character. He is. There's this moment that I specifically noted because... He when he first meets um, Cooper and he is talking to the sheriff, um, he he's like, so, yeah, oh, you know, Laura died. And then like he's wearing this this tie that has like a hula girl on it. Yes. And as he like starts talking about Laura, he like reaches his hand underneath the skirt of the hula girl on his tie. Yeah. And is like, don't tell her, don't tell her parents. Oh, and I'm like, Oh, this guy's so gross. He's so gross. And he's in love with this girl. And she's only like 17 or 16 or something. I believe um, 17. 17. Yeah. Yes. Um, and I, I was like, this guy, if anyone, uh, murdered this girl, it would be him. Um, because uh, yeah, tell uh, why? Tell me, explain your theory to me. My theory is because um, he is one. You can tell that he was super obsessed, and it's and it's one of those things where like when he meets Dar- uh Cooper and um and uh, Sheriff Truman. Yes. Uh, so Sher- Sheriff Harry S. Truman, played by Michael Ontkeen, who. I want to say was a hockey player before he became an actor. And I oh, really? also want to say he's Michael Keaton's cousin. Okay. I could look that up. Nah, Will don't. I? Don't um, do it. Um, and also, of course, uh, uh, we keep leaping over uh, FBI Special Agent Dale Cooper, played uh, famously by Kyle MacLachlan, who comes to Twin Peaks because the murder of Laura Palmer bears a resemblance to a murder that he investigated a year before, the murder of Teresa Banks. Yes. Um, so when, when they're all interacting, um, I mean, there's the shady piece that like Laura has never, like her, Laura's parents don't know that she is seeing him. Um, and also how anxious he was to see the body. And it's like one of those things where you're like, you know, the people who commit crimes like to see their handiwork. And sure. Then, um, so, and then there, you get this, this moment at the very end of, I believe it is the second or episode one um post the pilot yes where um he has the heart necklace and he's listening to their um to their recordings of their sessions and he gets really sad and 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 bummed out um you know because because he she loved someone else and she was never going to love him and uh, but now he has the other side of her heart uh yeah he'll have her heart forever and she'll never love anyone else because Cause, cause that's how people do. All right. Um, so that's, that is a theory. Interesting. Um, I'm sure that like, but 
I am reading into clues that were never meant to be, um, were never meant to blossom. So it doesn't matter. Well, the I believe they knew who it was like they had they knew what the answer to that that question was but they just never intended to reveal it to the audience interesting so i i believe like right from the pilot they knew who the killer was going to be but they yeah they just never intended to resolve it outwardly so was their intention to have the audience like on their own time kind of put clues together and be like oh we all know that it's uh truman but like they're never going to say it cuz they're too clever for that Possibly. It's also possible that over time it was just meant to become less and less important, less and less significant to the actual goings on of the show. Right. Because it's it's just meant to bring Cooper into the town. And the rest of the show, I assume, is just like hanging out with the townsfolk. But also like it's just a if Cooper never solves this mystery, he has no reason to leave the city. And so it's like one of those things that has to remain unresolved. Otherwise, he will leave. Right. Um, so like I get why they wouldn't resolve it and they have to jump through some hoops. Like once they resolve that storyline, they have to jump through some hoops to keep Cooper in town. Right. For exactly that reason. It's like once that murder is solved, then presumably he would, he would leave. He would go back to the FBI. Yeah. I mean, unless, and I, uh, and maybe they do this, but I like, I like the idea of him getting to this town. And even after he solves it being like, you know what? I like it here. It's cool. It's not all the hustle and bustle of FBI work. I'm going to chill out. And then um, that being the reason he stays, which is a way of doing it. Sure. I, I doubt that, like, I, as I know, as far as I know, like, shit gets weird. So, like. The end of the end of the next episode from where you are uh, is it's. I don't want to describe it to you. I want you to just experience no, yeah. it. But it's it's maybe the most iconic sequence to come out of all of twin peaks okay and it's it's where stuff starts to get a little little kooky yeah so if that if that's the case like i i would imagine also it being that like he's like i just need to know more about like what's happening so like that could also be a reason why he stays um but i don't know um yeah and i don't want to get i don't want to get too far no i mean this is this we're we're in tari's theory corner right um where i'm just spitballing all these i'm sure that everyone at home is like this guy's a fucking idiot he doesn't know anything oh no like like, if if, hey i would imagine if you're (laughs) hey um (laughs) i would imagine if you're listening and you're a big fan of twin peaks uh, I, I I mean I I'll only speak for myself I have a really good time turning people onto the show yeah and listening to them kind of like work their way through it and try and figure out where it's all going yeah ahead of time like different people's theories episode to episode especially early on I find really interesting okay um because that's 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 what this is that's all of it um I you had mentioned that um david lynch likes to make like accidents into like things is there an example of that from the pilot that you can like share without uh spoiling too much a couple so so the the smaller one is uh there's a scene where cooper uh he's with truman and they're first looking at the body yeah and there's an attendant in the room with them who's supposed to leave the scene and uh uh Cooper basically asks him, you know, it's like, can you leave us, please? And the actor didn't, I guess he didn't hear what McLaughlin said to him. Yeah. And he thought he was being asked his name and he says his name. He says like his name is Jim. And then Cooper just sort of looks at him blankly for half a second and goes, could you leave us alone, please? And he's like, "Uh, yeah. And he leaves. Yeah. That was unscripted. It was just a moment that happened totally organically that Lynch light kept it in. Yeah. The flickering light. They didn't plan for that light to be flickering. Okay. And he just sort of liked the ambiance that it created. He's like, great, let's leave it. Uh, but maybe the most famous example of him embracing an accident and really running with it is the casting of Frank Silva as Bob. Now, Bob has not been named yet. I think Bob, this is as spoilery as I'll get. Okay. Bob, I think, is named in the next episode. Um, Bob is the long, gray-haired man in denim that you see a shot of uh like uh, behind the bars on the yeah. bed, that's Bob. Um, Bob is uh, a, was a set decorator. Frank Silva was a set decorator working on the show. Yeah. And at a certain point, 
um, I think he was moving a, a dresser and he kind of, there was a shot getting ready to go up and he was kind of, he like blocked himself off. So he might've been visible in the shot. He's like, you're going to get stuck in the room. Yeah. And I guess Lynch liked the idea of him kind of being stuck. So he just wanted to get the image of him behind the bed bars. Yeah. Um, he didn't know what he was going to do with it. He figured he'd figured that out at some point. He just really liked that image. Um, but additionally, there's a shot at the end of the pilot where, uh, Sarah Palmer has the vision of uh, who's revealed to be Jacoby taking the other half of the necklace from under the rock. Yeah. She shoots bolt upright on the couch and there's a mirror above her head. Yeah. And you can see Frank Silva in the mirror because he got himself stuck in this position purely by accident. And it's in the pilot, that shot of him in the mirror just sort of is this presence. Right. Um, This character would, he becomes one of the primary fixtures of the show purely by accident, purely because Frank Silva dressed like Frank Silva. Like, I guess that's what he was wearing that day. Yeah. Uh, accidentally ended up in a shot. Interesting. Yeah. Um, huh. Cause I did, I thought that that was a, like there was, I know that supernatural aspects get added to the show. And so that to me was like the first incident of it where like with this mom, one, having that vision and you're like wondering how that happens and then later seeing and reacting to the existence of this gray-haired man. Um, so that is the first bit of intrigue that you really start getting. And I'm not going to tell you anything about Bob because once again, I'm really hoping that you continue down this path and I yeah. want you to discover it as the show hands that information out. Right. But, but yeah, I would say especially from the first couple episodes that's by far the biggest example of a happy accident that he embraced and they all really ran with yeah um can we talk about mike the uh, bobby's friend yeah who's real real rude to donna oh yeah he's he's aggressive yes be be aggressive yes uh mike uh played by gary hirschberger and donna of course uh laura flynn boyle yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know her. She was the villain in Men in Black 3. Two. Uh, no, uh, two. It was two. Uh, the one with Johnny Knoxville and uh, having two heads. Uh, it's that one. I think that's two. Uh, yeah, it's two. It's the number of heads Johnny Knoxville has. That's yes, how I remember. exactly. Um, three is the one with Luke Cage in it. He's in that? Yeah, he plays... Uh, Mike Coulter plays Will Smith's dad. Wow. Yeah. That was before I knew who Mike Coulter was. Same. I've also only seen that movie one time. It was a while ago. You should go back. Uh, holds up. Uh, Josh Brolin as young K. I remember he real does good. it like a mean Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, he does it real good. This yeah. is real good. Um, what were we talking about? We were talking about uh, Laura Flynn Boyle. Laura Flynn Boyle, that's right. Um, also, of course, she's in uh, Wayne's World. And uh, I've never seen it. You've never seen um, Wayne's World? No. Oh, we're going to talk about Wayne's World one day. We should. It's, so, it's uh, great. I like it. Uh, we were talking about her mean, mean boyfriend. Yeah, Mike is a dick yeah like you imagine that the only reason why she um why yeah because she's she's secretly in love with james a little bit too mm-hmm. um uh because again mon- monogamy doesn't exist in twin peaks um twin peaks is is because you have to have a minimum of two lovers yeah only i guess only if you're major briggs yeah and and uh, betty briggs does monogamy <laughs> exist i'm sure there are other examples that i'm not remembering right off the top of my head but yeah for the most part everybody's just sort of just sort of the wandering wandering eyes yeah wandering other stuff um i mean which you know what happens in those small small towns yeah everything does kind of get weirdly incestuous when it's all insular yeah um uh which i had read that originally the population of the of twin peaks was supposed to be just like oh just over five thousand. Um, but NBC was like, yo, we got to have more people. So like 50,000. I think it's like the number on the sign is like 51,000 something. Yeah. But I guess it was like retconned in, uh, some like notes booklet where they're like, it's a typo on the sign. It's actually 5,000. There is a, so there's a bunch of ancillary material that has come out over the years. Like some of it came out around when the show was airing and some of it more recently, um, different tie in books. Like there was a, they released the secret diary of Laura Palmer, which, uh, Jennifer Lynch did. David Lynch's daughter was primarily responsible for writing. Um, they did, uh, 
autobiography of special agent Dale Cooper, which is super out of print and hard to find. But yeah. uh, Mark Frost's brother, Scott Frost, wrote that. There's like a, a guide, like a traveler's guide to Twin Peaks type thing, which might be the, the book that you were talking about. Uh, far more recently, to tie in with the revival last year, Mark Frost put out two books. One is The Secret History of Twin Peaks, and the other is The Final Dossier. I bring this up because... Almost, I think all of them, if not all of them, have handfuls of inconsistencies from the show. Yeah. So that could be one. Like, I don't necessarily think of it as a retcon. I think of it more as an inconsistency. Okay. And some of it, like in the secret history of Twin Peaks, I think a lot of the inconsistencies, obviously Mark Frost co-created the show. I, I think he probably realizes that some of these things are inconsistent. And I think there is a point that he's making with those inconsistencies. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think of them as inconsistencies more than retcons. Well, I mean, I think that it was more of a, a jab at the network in that they were like, they forced them to make it a bigger town than it actually was intended to be. So they're like, no, the sign is wrong. Right. It's not me that's out of touch. It's the children. Um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, so uh, Donna, I feel like she's only in this relationship with Mike because if if she ever tried to break up with him, he would murder her. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's, he, he keeps being like, Donna, you don't, you don't, you don't not do what I tell you to do. And like when, when he finds her at the, uh, at the bar, at the roadhouse, the roadhouse. he gets, Oh, like he grabs her and like, is almost pulling her off her feet and shaking her just cause, just cause she, she wasn't at her house, bro. Like she's, she's trying to, she's, she's dealing with the death of her, her best friend. And he's like, you, you, you better be at the police station for, for Bobby. And she's like, bro, like my friend died too. And, and he doesn't care. Right. He's, he's gonna, he's gonna murder her if she ever tries to break up with him. Yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's, he doesn't come off very well in these episodes. No, he's, uh, he needs to sit down. Oh, oh yeah. He definitely needs to sit down. He needs to he needs to think about his choices. Um, does he get better? Um, or does he get murdered real good? I can't answer that. Okay. Yeah, I can't. I mean, but you can just for my own vindication. I will. I, I will only spoil the character of Mike for you. Yeah. <laughs> no other element of the show. <laughs> only Mike. Yeah. I don't need context. I just need to know if Mike gets his comeuppance. I can't I actually can't answer and it's not because he does and it's not because he doesn't it's because like to to address what happens to any one character I would have to give you information about other characters mm, okay because everything is all just sort of tied up together right. in, in weird eventually weird kind of unexpected ways yeah okay um in my mind until I catch up my head canon is that Mike uh Drinks and drives, which uh, I don't think that's head canon. I think that's just canon. I mean, but the head canon part is that in his drinking and driving, he uh, is like, "I'm on top of the world," and then smashes into a tree, and then a dog comes by, and he's like, "Help, help, pup!" and the dog bites his face off, and then pees on him because he's a bad person. <laughs> wow, I don't like Mike. I mean, that's fair. Yeah. Um, he's yeah he, he's not a not he, a nice he's yeah. not a gentleman he's not he's very a, gentlemanly in these he's episodes. an abusive boyfriend and I do not support no um, speaking of abusive boyfriends I like mentioned Leo the trucker uh, husband of Shelly he's played by Eric Daré um, who I believe uh, I believe is the son of casting director Joanna Ray oh really yes uh, he is a monster and yes, like, Leo's horrifying. You you get the sense that he is ab abusive in the first episode when like when Bobby and Shelly are driving to the house and like they see the truck and like like Bobby speeds off um so he's not noticed and you're like, "Okay, there's something up with this guy." And then like with the way that how tentative Shelly is when she's interacting with him. Oh, she's afraid of him. Um yeah. Uh and then you get to episode one where like she like she puts the bloody shirt in a drawer and he's like where's my shirt where's my favorite blue shirt and he like puts soap in a sock 
and he's like starts swinging it around. Yeah, dude, that's it's gets fucked up. And it's the whole. It's very much the you're making me do this, Shelly. Yeah. Yes. Um, Leo's not a safe person to be around. No. no. I hope he also gets his comeuppance. Like I hope that when uh, Mike is doing his bit of drunk driving between the car and the tree is Leo. Um, and just that gets pinned. There. Yeah, he gets pinned there, and like he stays alive for a while, and then a horde of like hoodlums show up, and they're like, "Yo, that was my favorite tree. Get off my tree!" And they all get like things that like fill up socks with soap, and just start swinging and just start beating him to death. Um, and they're like, "You got blood all over my favorite tree!" And then he's like, "Ah." Oh, I've been doing everything wrong uh, this whole time, like right before he dies. Um, that is my headcanon until I catch up. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, so everyone who is bad um, is involved in this one car accident. Everyone who's bad. Yeah. Um, so my headcanon also is whoever is the, the killer um it's also is, is the tree is, is <laughs> the tree yeah. killed Laura <laughs> the tree um it's like a it's like a evil dead situation where like the tree came alive and it like took Palmer and and then like went back to his tree spot and was like man what another good day's work i'm going to use the part of the dead corpse of one of my friends i.e. paper and stick it under her fingernail and that's it i'm i'm did such a good job me this evil tree what's that and then the (laughs) car (laughs) pins a human person to it and then you know uh you guys know the rest mike gets his face eaten off (laughs) um so if none of this happens i'm gonna be very disappointed all right yeah. That's really specific. That's a really <laughs> specific thing to hinge all of your hopes on. Yep. Um I mean that's how it works. That's why uh that's why Last Jedi was really bad cuz I put all these uh, expectations and Rey didn't end up being the love child of Anakin and um and Ben Kenobi. Uh <laughs> That's that's how it happens, right? You, you put a lot of hope in this one specific fan theory, and then the thing is bad, not your theory. Right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> now I'm really, I'm just trying to think about the mechanics of, of Anakin impregnating Ben Kenobi. Medicalorians. That's how the force works, bro. Yeah, yeah. Totally. It's a force pregnancy. Right. That's yeah. how it happens. Yep. Uh, and then Ray, Ray just like That's... emanated out of his uh, belly. Like his midichlorian count is so high, he can impregnate dudes. <laughs> Like that's really all it means. Yeah. That's the only thing separating him from the other Jedi is he can impregnate dudes now. Mm-hmm. That's why he's the chosen one. And that's why he's so mad when he like catches fire is like he can't impregnate anybody anymore. Yeah. Especially dudes. Yeah. Because his midichlorian semen got like all burned up. Yep. Yeah. It's all. It's um, crispy. It's like it's like burnt cheese. Yeah. If you're if you're not familiar with human anatomy, uh, you should know that uh, essentially having your testicles um, too warm causes your sperm count to lower. So you like your body has a way of regulating. That's why sometimes when it's cold, they go into your body, and sometimes when it's hot, they sag a little bit lower. You just learned about human anatomy. Did you not want to learn about that human anatomy? <laughs> I'm just, it's, uh, it's what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about that now. <laughs> That's important. I just got, I just got shoved off this precipice <laughs> into <laughs> testicles. Testicles. <laughs> Presticles. What? I'm <laughs> combining precipice and testicles. <laughs> Pressicles. How are you feeling? Are you okay? I'm dying. (laughs) (laughs) I'm being burned from the scrotum up. I can't impregnate men anymore. Okay, so where were we? Uh, oh, right. All, so you want all of the bad things to happen to all of the bad people, especially that tree. Yes, that yeah. tree, Mike and Leo. Got it. All of them. Um, but that's, that's. I mean, look, it's fine. If none of that happens, I will just 
say that the show is bad on public record and that it is literally the worst show ever. Like, no big deal. Okay. Yeah. Very reasonable response. Um, I will say that it literally ruined my childhood. Yeah. Yeah. And you'll get so many hits. <laughs> you will get so many hits. I mean, that's what I live for. I live for those yummy, yummy clicks. Um, Nothing I, gives me a greater rush in this life than gaming the algorithm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but really, <laughs> um, I, I really liked this show. I think that like I'm starting to kind of get towards the wrapping up portion of this show. Um, oh, I was like, which show? This and show. Now I got it because you were talking about one show and then you were talking about another. Yeah. Show. Yeah. 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 Um, this show being missing out. I'm giving my final thoughts and then I'm going to fly off into the wilderness I'm trying to think of like who else we didn't cover or didn't mention. Um, I mean, I think that like so. Um, well, obviously, the log lady hasn't come up yet. The log lady, I, I was, I was wondering if. Are you familiar with Rin and Stimpy? Like, I mean, yeah, not you know, not from a handful of years, but but back in the day, I, I saw. I was a, wondering a if bunch of it the. The bit, there's like a bit about log, log, log. You know the log song from Ren and Stimpy? I'm wondering I if... I do not remember the log song. Wow. Yeah. Um, it's great. It's okay. funny. It's like one of the main things that people remember about Ren and Stimpy is like, it's basically a commercial for a log. Um, it's like, it's log, it's log, it's big, it's sunny, it's wood. Um, and I was wondering if uh, that bit was inspired by... Twin Peaks. It is very possible. Yeah. Twin maybe Twin Peaks is what brought logs mainstream. Yeah. Um, it was like pet rocks for a while. <laughs> Everybody wanted a log. Yeah. I mean well log is better than bad. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. That that's was a, that's the song. That's yep, the, that's what the, it is. All right. Yeah, I definitely yep. didn't remember that. No. Um but yeah, it's a. Uh, it, I, that was what made me think of, or that's what the log lady made me think of. I assume that she is like a reoccurring character where she's like, I, I love this log and the log will tell you all the secrets. Yeah, her log definitely has something to tell you. I wonder if if the character from Ed, Ed and Eddie who carries around a plank is also a plank, that's inspired right. by this character. Uh, that would make me happy. I'm not sure. It's possible, right? It's a it's a piece of wood that he communicates with, allegedly. Yeah. Like, that only he can understand. Um, now my brain is like, what are all the references? But um, does this log ever give a monologue? You know? Because she obviously can't give a dialogue. You know? You know what I'm saying? Uh, do you think that this show is too grounded that they never would? <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Um... Anyway, already we see, <laughs> we see things like, you know, like uh, uh, coffee and cherry pie becoming iconic staples of the series, getting mentioned uh, a couple of times in as many episodes. Um, oh, also, uh, the show the show opens. First character you see on Twin Peaks is uh, uh, Joan Chen as Josie Packard. I don't know if you have any idea what to make of her yet. Um, all I know is that, like, they give her ba her general backstory, which is like... Oh man, she was married to the previous owner of the, the log factory, and uh, then he died and left her everything, and, and his sister's mad. And so, like, I know that there's a rivalry between the sister and uh, Joe, and I know that the sheriff is doing hot sex with Joe. Joe. Um, uh, he's getting him a hot cup of Joe. Joe. Oh, yeah. They call her Joe in the show, right? Do they? I thought so. Her name is Josie. Yeah. I, maybe maybe just the sheriff calls her Joe. Like he's like, oh, hey, Joe. Um, what that's is, the sound of kissing. Is it? Yeah. How do you do it? Like that. It sounds like how dogs kiss. Yeah. Which, isn't, which isn't kissing so much as licking. Yeah. What's the difference? 
is that not how humans do it? Is that, am I missing out on something? It's, am I it's, missing out on kissing? It's possible, man. Like, from the sound of it, I, I wonder. <laughs> Guys, should we do a show about kissing where I go around and kiss people and figure out what it's like? Um, wow. No. That would the actually answers, be, that'd be like a, it could be This American Lifestyle, and we just sort of record as we go, uh-huh. and we get everybody's horrified reaction. <laughs> I spent some time with Tari Miller, who's never kissed. You've never kissed anyone, right, Tari? Uh, no. I mean, it's like that movie, like, never been... As he's going on, I'm thinking to myself, how does this guy not been kissed? Is it how... Is it his unruly demeanor? Is it how unattractive people find him? Maybe it's his incessant talking. Yeah, and, like, in that movie, like, blah, 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 blah. Am I right? Drew Barrymore... Yeah, I think it's his incessant talking <laughs> that really drives him to be unkissed. And I'm really ex- interested to see how we go about getting this disgusting creature lip to lip with other people. Right? I'd listen to that show. I would until I got uncomfortable, which, <laughs> which would not take that much time. Is it? Is it the? Was it? Was it the usage of lip to lip with other people? Was I, that the turning point? You know what? You lost me before that, man. <laughs> like, I was. I was gone by that point. Yeah. Um. Okay. So. So. I guess since since we are sort of moving into the end of this uh, very very scattered but uh, enjoyable conversation about Twin Peaks. Yeah. Is this something you think you are going to continue on with? Um. Yes. I think that like I am definitely going to keep watching. Um. Especially since like it's it's not a, an overwhelming amount to take in. Um. In addition, like. I I find all the like character work to be really interesting. Um and I know that like this has become such like iconic show. Um that like I think that it will be really interesting to catch up and and almost like get realigned with the zeitgeist in terms of like knowing what references exist to this show. Um also I really like Kyle McLaughlin. I am a big 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 fan of the work he is especially the work he has done with lynch he's sort of uh especially as cooper he's almost like lynch's avatar like lynch has said like in crafting that character he's like he, he says a lot of things that i say yeah um david lynch too really into trees um but but also and not not to the the work that kyle mclaughlin does uh when they came back 25 years later for the revival series yeah You'll you'll have to let me know how you feel about it when you get there, but I feel like his work in the revival is like one of the greatest magic tricks that I've ever seen. Interesting. Is is good. Okay. Um, but I I would love if you're gonna keep going with this series, like every so often, even on this show, to just sort of check in with you about it. Like see where you're at, see like kind of what you think about where you are, see what your theory is up until the moment of that reveal. Yeah. Um, so I'll I'll probably like poke you, like maybe like every so often on a missing out Monday or something, I'll be like, Hey, how many more episodes have you watched? Where are you at? What do you think? Yeah. I'd be down to do like a weekly like Twin Peaks update. Um, the Twin Peaks report where I like each week I watch an episode and then like report back on it. If you wanted to do one a week, like I'm totally down to do that. And that could just be a little bit like a tiny little segment at the end of something somewhere. Yeah, I'm into it. Uh, yeah. Especially cause like, I definitely want to hear your thoughts on the next one. Cause the next one is where we really start to blow the mythology open a little bit. Yeah. And where, where all of the more surreal supernatural elements really, it's like, we just, we dive into it like real aggressively. Okay. Um, Let's say that let's let's start that in like December. Yeah, yeah. Let's start that. Let's start in that in December. 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 Yes. Uh, uh, yeah. So if you guys like Twin Peaks, you're in luck because we do too. But if you don't, maybe you should. Yeah, I would recommend checking it out. I think that like one, I will say that don't let the four by three aspect ratio th- like yes turn it's, you it's away window box but that's the way it was shot it was right it was shot of course for for tv in 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 the 90s the ni- not just in the 90s in 1990 right. um so that's it that's the original aspect ratio try not to watch it all stretched out if you can avoid it yeah but- um but also even given the that format that it's shot in the four by three it is still one of the more cinematic 
shows that you're gonna you're gonna find up until you know HBO really started cranking out their original programming. Yeah, um, yeah, and it really like lets the shots breathe. Like I as as Lex was mentioning earlier that like there are a lot of like um, happy accidents that happen throughout the show. So I would recommend like actually diving in and watching no phone in front of your face because like you'll miss a lot of little things yeah this is not a show you can multitask through this is very much a show that you want to be as engaged with as possible because even things right down to the sound design frequently have significance as if as if the sound design does not always have significance but like details that you maybe want to pick up or that will definitely add layers to the experience i would say yeah not a not a multitasker this yeah. is like you sit you focus for the for the hour however long it is and you try and internalize it the best you can also if it doesn't feel like your jam in the first 5 6 minutes try and stick with it a little bit longer because it's entirely possible because it is so just what what it is and it is so not like just about anything else yeah you it may take you a couple of a couple of minutes to sort of adjust to what their intentions are and kind of the way they're going to be telling stories gotcha. the sort of the, the tempo of it the the specific musicality of it um the, the mood and sort of what uh you know because you could look at some of the performance choices and you can go well people don't behave that way but like these these people in this heightened reality do and right. you just have to sort of calibrate your brain for the intention of the creators yeah if it helps you to to think of this as another reality just look in the fir- in the pilot episode at the captain crunch box that says crunchies yeah and be like that's not our world right um so yeah uh, Lex, if they want to talk to you about uh, Twin Peaks, where can they find you? Uh, I am on Twitter and Instagram at the Lex Michael. Awesome. I am on Twitter and Instagram as well at Tari J. That's T A U R I J A Y. But if you want to talk to us as a collective, you can hit us up at Missing Outcast. That's M I S S I N G O U T C A S T on Twitter. Uh, you can also hit up the missing out hotline if you love using that sweet vocal cord collection of yours that number is 978 miss out that number again is 978 miss out you can leave us a voicemail let us know your name what you're into or your thoughts on anything that we've talked about on this show past present or those are the things unless you know what we're talking about in the future um all right guys thank you thank you thank you for joining us we hope you had a great holiday um, we hope you ate a lot. We hope that you either enjoyed your family or av- enjoyed avoiding, avoiding them. Me, yeah. Um, so uh, we missed you. Uh, and we will see you next week. Bye. Did you know a turkey puppet once ran for the presidency of Ireland? Did you know that meat once rained from the skies of Kentucky? Did you know that there was an emperor of the United States for a while? Then listen to the Wikiship Down podcast. We live in an age when the sum total of humanity's knowledge can be found in your pocket on a smartphone at any given time. But when that knowledge is pure editable, like it is on Wikipedia, what does that say about mankind? So follow us down the digital rabbit hole as we drink, joke, and curse our way through the random button on Wikipedia and see where our journey through humanity's knowledge takes us. While you're at it, follow us on all social media at Wikiship Down. I'm Ruthann. I'm Ryan. And be sure to find us every Wednesday on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts.